Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 84 of the F1 Show for coverage of the 2010 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix from Yas Marina. I'm Robin Warner. And I am Jim Lau. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a winner. It is all down to the final round of the championship. The Everything has been decided, and uh, you probably already know who it is, but we will tell you all about the weekend and give you the usual news and updates and our insightful analysis. <laughs> All right, well, the silly season has started to actually get a little bit silly. We are looking at some uh, driver changes and some different things. Uh, looks like Nico Hulkenberg is not going to be at Williams uh, after this year. Um, and he's done at the end of the season here. And uh, there's actually no one is officially confirmed for who's going to be driving for Williams next year. Um, but it seems uh, sort of on pretty good authority that it's going to be uh, Pastor Maldonado uh, will be moving up to the Williams team. And, um, and then you know, potentially keeping on Rubens Barrichello as well. But uh, uh, Hulkenberg's manager, Willie Weber, says that uh, Nico will not be part of the team, and will, but he will have a drive in 2011. So who knows where that'll be? Well, certainly the poll in uh, Brazil last week helped signify him as a driver. Um, he was kind of back to his old tricks in terms of not being quite as strong qualifying and having a decent race uh, this time around. But I definitely think he's proven his worth to be part of the grid and uh, you know the fact of the matter is being a rookie is extremely difficult there's a lot going on especially nowadays with so little testing uh just the demands on the drivers who are getting younger and younger by the way is uh extremely high so i think hulkenberg is held together pretty well as has petrov so that'll be interesting to see where he ends up uh, there's been talks about him going back to lotus which is going to be renault powered um for next year instead of keeping his Renault ride. So that'll be an interesting uh, interesting play. Or maybe he'll stay at Renault, or maybe neither of the above. Yeah, well, there's two things about the, about that with Lotus and Renault. Uh, first of all, uh, Heidfeld, actually Nick Heidfeld, has been in talks with Renault for 2011 drive seat. That's sort of where he wants to end up, and he's confirmed he's been in talks. So, you know, take that for whatever it means. Nothing official announced yet there. That would be a very lucky move for him uh, if that were to happen. He's kind of been – he's fallen off the grace of the uh, mid to upper level team. So if he could land that, that'd be sweet. Yeah. And the other note on Lotus, slightly less important, but uh, noteworthy nonetheless, um, they're apparently going back to the uh, black and gold paint scheme, like the old John player special paint scheme and all that sweet. for next year. Um, I actually kind of like the yellow and green combination. I think it's kind of cool. The green with yellow stripes with little white stripes on the outside. Um, I think that's a cool looking thing. I like seeing on leases and stuff like that. Um, but if, uh, because I can't do tobacco sponsorship and all that anymore, it kind of raises the question of, you know, if, if the classic black and gold is with John player special, you know, it seems like it'd be weird if it were just for like proton on the side or something. <laughs> so I'm hoping maybe they'll have uh, some sponsorship from, uh, you know, just a, something else that, that looks kind of the same. So maybe you'll have like the Arnold Palmer special and it'll be sponsored by an iced tea slash lemonade combination. I think that that would be terrific. So for next year, we may see a Lotus Renault team. It may be sort of absorbed as part of the Renault team. It's a little bit, uh, just, there's a lot of options and I guess it's not really clear what What's, what's going to come out of that? So what is it that is illegal about using the name? Because it is the Malaysian company, Proton, that owns Lotus. It is their team attached with the Formula One team. So where's the issue? But there's still um, Lotus – no, it's confusing now because there's Lotus Racing and there's Group Lotus. And I think they're part of Group Lotus. But Lotus Racing, because they run uh, Indy cars and stuff with the Lotus paint scheme and all that, and it's all part of Lotus Racing. There is like a racing organization that existed before this Formula One effort – that is like Lotus uh, Racing, and so because Lotus Engineering, like they have, because they're you know Lotus Engineering also functions as a supplier. Like there's a Lotus Engineering building in Ann Arbor where I live, 
Um, you know, that I assumed was part of the Proton Group. That's all part of that big yes, Lotus that Group. Yes, is, that is part of Malaysia. So I, it's I just this separate racing team that just found the, got the rights to Lotus Racing. As I understand it, yeah. So it's it's not Lotus. It's Lotus Racing combined that's actually the issue. Yes. Ah, I see. So There's anyways, the clarification. So, so that'll be different for next year. Um, I mean, like we're talking about driver shifting around. That uh, that may be maybe what, a bit. And that's the interesting thing. I've, uh, I'm looking forward to the off season because we've heard almost nothing about that. Mm-hmm. And usually, usually, not too much past midway, you start hearing a lot about it. But more and more in these last couple of seasons, instead of having a silly season, they just switch drivers. You know, there was no silly season about oh, Pedro De La Rosa might lose his ride. No, he lost it to Heidfeld. Yeah. So. Uh, and then that? Karen Jandok and all that. Yeah, just sort of switching drivers around and yeah. getting, all, getting all confused. Uh, and the, the other thing, actually, about name changes and so on, there's a lot of interest, partly with Vitaly Petrov, mostly because of the uh, 2014 Russian Grand Prix and all that. Uh, more and more Russian money coming into the sport. Uh, there's a Russian company. I don't know if it's Marusha or Marussia, um, but they, that company buying a stake in Virgin Racing to become a title sponsor. I guess they already had some money no involved in the team, but now that it will be uh, Marussia... Uh, Virgin Racing, technically. And then there's also rumors that Richard Branson might pull out and it would just be Marussia Racing or Marussia or Marussia or however they say that. I don't well, know. Well, earlier this season, um, uh, Sir Richard Branson said that he was in for 2011. So um, unless he's turning back on that yeah. promise, I would assume it would at least start as uh, you know a co-titled sponsor, uh, co-titled team name yeah. like that, but who knows? You know who was in for 2010? USF1. Very true. <laughs> Just saying. Touche, sir. And despite the fact that we still have probably a good two and a half pounds of meat in our stomach from the Brazilian steakhouse, we soldiered on and we did a culture of the race for Abu Dhabi. Um, Pretty standard fare, really. We did uh, a little shawarma, a little falafel, a little hummus. It worked out pretty well. Yeah, so in the the Persian Gulf area, they have... You know, everything. It's all international nowadays with people coming in from Europe and Asia and, you know, all over the world. So uh, they have all these options for food. Uh, but I looked up, you know, the traditional cuisine is pretty much like Lebanese food and all that. And so uh, so that, that's where we went. Uh, it was nice uh, on the lighter side compared to uh, Brazilian all-you-can-meet from oh, last week, which goodness. was uh, – man, they need to have a week between these races. And next year they do, actually. First it's first it's Abu Dhabi, then a week off, and then Brazil. So uh, that, that'll be a little <laughs> bit better, I think, for that will be better. Our, our livelihoods. But that one, if, if I do remember correctly, is going to be the weekend after Thanksgiving for us here oh, in the States. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so <laughs> it's going to be tough, but we'll, we'll have to work something out. Yes. Also, um, as appropriate as it turned out to be for the, uh, the winners of both uh, – Drivers and Constructors Championship and the race, we are having celebratory Red Bulls. Cheers um, to that. To uh, help help fund the team, I guess. Uh, <laughs> help toward their success. Because they really need the funding, exactly. exactly. So the Red Bulls are on top of Friday practice. No big surprise there, except... Uh, I was surprised. I was shocked. Hamilton... Um, has found all kinds of pace, and actually he was second in uh, the first practice session. Hamilton actually came out on top of the second practice session and was in third spot for the third one. So McLaren is definitely, you know, they've got some... Well, they're benefiting from those new rear, new rear wings they brought, which uh, yeah, definitely helped. Front and rear, they had a, they had one set flown out for Friday, then actually had another set flown out for Saturday to qualify on, and, you know, apparently it's working. Um <laughs> Red Bull gives you yeah. wings, but apparently McLaren gives you better wings right very, now. Very last race of the season. I think they thought, you know what? We, we've stopped developing the car, but it's worth the extra effort to make sure that we beat Ferrari to the numbers two spot in the Constructors' Championship. 
um, probably worth a decent chunk of money and notoriety and yada, yada, yada. So, um, you know, there's you're either first or last doesn't apply to McLaren. Second is a whole lot better than third. Yes, but all the uh, all eyes and all everyone was just thinking about towards uh, Saturday and then, of course, on to Sunday. Okay, so in many ways, this is the big day because Abu Dhabi is a very hard place to pass. And obviously qualifying is always important, but this qualifying was critical. Not to mention that we had just come from an epic qualifying in Brazil. So I was definitely on the edge of my seat for this one. Yeah, well, Japan was, was crazy qualifying with, uh, with all the delays and everything and people making boats in the pit lane. It was just kind of fun. Uh, Brazil was epic qualifying with all the, the changes in weather and then how, you know, how everything went down and then Hulkenberg surprise pole position and all that. But this one for me was just so much more tense because it, you know, more than the other ones of uh, just kind of, it's exciting to see who's where. This one, you know, every time I'm trying to calculate, okay, if he's in fourth spot, then exactly, how, what does that mean? And exactly, exactly. Here. It was just so, so much more tense of, uh, of just where's everyone going to line up and all that. So not so much for the first two rounds, but uh, in, in Q1, um, it ended up being um, Buemi got knocked out at the very last second, um, <laughs> thanks to uh, his teammate, Algashwari, yep. uh, who almost got into the wall. There's a couple, you know, real nice shots. I forget if it's turn 13, 14, somewhere in there, but uh, they're just this really close exit of a, of a left-hander. You get, get it right up against this wall, and um, it was pretty wild seeing people really, really start to push there and, uh, and you know, have a lot of near misses. It was pretty exciting. But And um, for the first time, uh, Bruno Senna out-qualified his uh, – uh, new teammate Christian Clean, which was definitely good for him. I'm sure he was happy about that. For sure. And in Q2, uh, your boy, Jensen Button, just had great pace there. He was just setting really, really fast lap times. I always told you, he breaks late. You just got to wait for so, it. So, yeah, last there. race of the season, he's like, oh, qualifying. Yes. Please. I should do that better. <laughs> uh, and then the other, uh, the, at the very end of Q2, um, Robert Kubica tried so hard and just barely could not make it into Q3. Which for is, the first time yeah, this season. Kubica just couldn't quite make it through to Q3 and have that last go for the top 10. That was a shame. But his last lap was pretty impressive um, just to see him pushing really, really hard and try to get there. But on to Q3, which was epic and disappointing. Uh, first of all, Jensen Button uh, early in the session put in put down a nice screaming sub-minute 40-second lap time, which was very cool to see. But then um, Hamilton just put in um, a big uh, – no, it was Vettel that went first – Put in a rocket flying time of you know thirty nine three or something like that, and Hamilton tried to respond and we got very very close, but he was less than a tenth of a second off. Ended up being very close, but at the end of the day, it was Vettel on top in pole position, Hamilton second, Alonso third at the very last moment squeaked that in, Button in fourth, and Mark Webber down in fifth position. Not looking good for the fan favorite, to be honest. No, and actually the Mercedes guys both made it into the top 10, but uh, ended up shuffling back and starting 8th and ninth. But, yeah, I mean, the big the big story then was Weber behind Alonso for one uh, with Jensen Button in between. But then, and but well behind Vettel. But 5th spot, yeah. you know, oh, that, that definitely made his work uh, a lot harder for him for the rest of the weekend. Ah, yes, and it was finally time for the race start, and all eyes were, of course, on seven-time world champion Michael Schumacher. What was he going to pull out for the last event? And, ooh, well, okay, uh, not the best finish for the guys' first comeback season. Uh, finished the race 23rd, technically ahead of Liuzzi, um, after spinning on his own right next to his teammate and then becoming a ramp for Liuzzi's Force India which he almost cleared, but uh, ended up 
coming to a rest about six inches from Schumacher's head. First lap, first incident, um, bad enough wreck to cause a safety car period, and uh, quite the uh, quite the adventurous start to the race. Yeah, so uh, Weber didn't change positions at the start. He had a clean start and nothing nothing screwball. I mean, that was sort of most worried about Weber or seeing, oh, maybe he can make up some positions. Um, Button actually got around Alonzo at the very start, which was exciting to see. That's right, baby. But uh, and then, but otherwise, it was a clean start, and Vettel was just checking out as he does. Um, but yeah, most of the way through lap one, it was like I think turn five, and uh, and there was yeah this spin from Michael. At first, looked like maybe Rosberg pushed him around, but on the replays, it was like no, nah, it looks like he just kind of lost it. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, and like you say, yeah, you know, uh, Luzzi came around the corner with cars on both sides of him and had nowhere to go and ended up just kind of driving up on top of the other car. So um, afterwards, the, you know, uh, Schumacher and Luzzi were joking lo- with each other, just looking around and kind of like, oh, whatever, you know, that's that sucks. But what are you going to do? Um, and I think there's something, something to be said for sort of taking all the pressure off at that point. They're sort of like, OK, yeah. we retired. That sucks. But. You know, no amount of being concerned about it is going to matter right now. And, dude, now it's the weekend, you know. It's like, <laughs> it's like school's out for the summer. Let's, let's Exactly. Let's go get a couple of Mai Tais and hang out. Yes. But for the four men in contention for the championship, it was uh, pretty, I mean, a very tactical race, you know, for, for everything that was going on. Um, we were kept trying to do the math in our heads for, okay, well, where they are now, if he's coming through the pits and then this happens, then right. where is he going right. to finish? And with the new point system that we're not so used to and everything else just as it was. It very quickly became a lost cause because you didn't know who pitted, who pitted when, who hadn't pitted yet. Uh, that was a little unclear at times. And then, okay, how far behind are they? So if they pitted, will they get out ahead? And so on and so forth. Yes. So it became very even, – even before the safety car came back into the pits, there was kind of a, a near hit, as it were, between Hamilton and Vettel um, where Hamilton was doing a really good job to stay right on Vettel's no, uh, right on Vettel's tail to start. And then Vettel checked way up and Hamilton literally – Almost hit him and had to go off track to avoid him. Kind of around him almost. Yeah, Yeah. and then Vettel shot off like a rocket, had a great, you know, six, seven car length advantage coming into the restart and just checked out from there. And the race, which I think restarted again on lap six or so, um, restarted cleanly with no real position change at the top. Yeah. But then very quickly, just like you said, Jim, it was tactical because... Um, Weber pitted very early. Alonzo pitted pretty early. Mark Weber said he was losing rear tire grip and... uh, and you know, usually you sort of see that and say, okay, we're going to take a look at it. We'll see it over the next couple of laps. But in this case, Red Bull was on it. The team, right after that message, said, okay, let's get some tires out in the pit lane. Let's pit him here and, uh, you know, do an early pit stop and, and just sort of see what happens. Um, got him on new tires. And then he came out and, and was actually running pretty fast. He was he was back in, like, what, 16th, 16th spot or something. 16th. It was way, way low, but without a whole lot of traffic to worry about. Um, just based on track position, he was doing okay. So Ferrari, I think, looked at that and responded and said, oh, well, we should pit him as well so right. that we don't have a weird situation with pit stops later alonzo made the tactical decision or the ferrari team made the tactical decision that do we either go after vettel or do we go after weber mm-hmm. and they thought they were safe with vettel since they had a 15 point cushion so they just wanted to cover weber as it were so they pitted near the same time as weber did to make sure they could get out in front of him and they did uh, <laughs> they did came out just in front of weber but go team good job <laughs> yeah <laughs> but behind vitaly petrov and the renault um who had actually they'd pit under the safety car, so he his pit stop was out of the way. Right, um, and I mean you think, okay, yeah, he's he's behind Vitaly Petrov. He'll get get around him in a couple laps and then move on his way. And 
Alonso could not get around Vitaly Petrov. And I mean, not to jump too far ahead, but for the rest of the race, <laughs> just to jump ahead, to jump ahead, uh, <laughs> that it, that never changed. It was lap after lap after lap. It was yeah. like three quarters of the race. Yep. Alonso, and sometimes he'd be closer. Sometimes he'd fall back. He'd have some pretty serious offs trying to sort of get creative yeah, tried and find a lot some different speed things, places yeah. that it wasn't. Um, so there's two things about that. One, um, Good job, Petrov, for holding him off and keeping cool with, you know, the freaking two-time world champion, blah, 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 and you're in your mirrors. Um, you know, the Ferrari everywhere, he looks behind him, I'm sure. And still two-time world champion. Yep. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and you know, Petrov was, you know, handled it cool and after the race said, you know, hey, I, I wouldn't have risked contact because that would certainly – he would definitely be looked down upon if, if uh, you know, it ended up affecting the championship such that uh, – Petrov and, and Alonso got into a crash and especially Alonso's Petrov, race. who you know has known to you know bend a couple of cars here and there. So yeah. it's certainly that certainly um, that was something to think about. But then the other so then and then it was Mark Webber directly behind Alonso, but Mark wasn't making any ground on this either. That was the thing that was sort of frustrating because Alonso was obviously being held up by Petrov, and that seems like just the kind of situation where Mark Webber could benefit. And you see that every once in a while. Sometimes you know being. Behind a battle, the two guys are slowing each other down, and the third guy can even whistle around both of them in some right. cases. Right. And Weber, I think mentally, uh, I think you know we, we were talking about this, may have just sort of given up after I don't know if it was after the poor qualifying or even before the qualifying right. is, is why it happened. But Weber well, we'll, just was not there to put the pressure on Alonso. Right. So I think we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But the most the most interesting thing, and the one thing I'll say in defense of both of those guys is the Renault seemed to be pretty good in a straight line. And we know for a fact this has been true all season. The Red Bull is terrible in a straight line. So Petrov was just good enough to um, keep Alonso behind them. And then on the straights was able to get a little bit of a gap and then you know start the whole process over again between the straights. So, so at, at every possible good passing opportunity, Alonso just didn't have the position that he needed to get around. Right. And then that was also true for Weber against Alonso is that you know Alonso didn't have the straight line pace of Renault and Red Bull didn't have the straight line pace of Ferrari because I mean, what was it when we were, it was third practice or something like that. Red Bull was 21st and 22nd in top speed mm. in the trap speed. I mean, the, we've known this all year. They are very good with aerodynamics, but that's also extra drag and uh, slows the cars down at top speed. And I've got to imagine Alonzo, you know, first of all, he's trying to win his championship. He's in the lead. He's, he's doing everything he can, but to, to have it be a Renault in front of him, you know, his oh, old team and just to have like everywhere he looks, just oh, that freaking Renault rear wing. It's a beautifully thick plot because it. it was Alonzo's old team, but it was also Red Bull's current engine supplier. Mm-hmm. So it was like, Ooh, mm-hmm. which side do you take? It's so mysterious. And the truth of the matter, of course, is Petrov didn't take any side. It's not like Renault said, Oh, you must slow this person down speed this person up, block this person, whatever. They said, Petrov, run your race and don't crash the car, please. And that's what he did. And, uh, you know, so uh, good job for him, just like you say, and uh, pity for uh, Weber and Alonso. Now, moving up the field a little bit, um, even more ironic is a little bit later on, Massa took a pit stop. He ended up behind Kubica, and he couldn't around Kubica to save his life. And, uh, you know, so the Ferraris and the Renaults, just nothing was happening. Yeah, it was... The Renaults ended up affecting the championship more than anyone thought that they would, I think, um, in this race. Because if Alonso had been able to, you know, it, it weren't weren't behind uh, Petrov, um, and, you know, it's hard to know for sure, of course, but, you know, could have been able to make up some track position or whatever, 
it's hard to say because the McLarens were still strong. I mean, with Lewis and Jensen both having good races, um, you know, uh, Hamilton was having some tire issues, but was able to you know hold on to it and and you know didn't have to take a second stop. Like there was sort of a potential for that. And yeah, he, he was, was complaining he was about. To, it. He just needed to chill out. He was able to hold on to it. Yeah, Lewis Lewis was more nervous than I've seen him in a while today. Yeah, at, like and the and the you know as the during the safety car, just kind of oh the brakes okay, the brakes feel weird, is my front wing okay, the right, front wing right. it feels weird. Uh, what about my tires? What do you think about? Well, this? you could even tell in the post race interview. You know that he was he was tense during the race, but I'm not. I refuse to go any further. Another person that um, took advantage of the really early um, safety car was Nico Rosberg, who also got a new set of tires very early, and he did tremendously as well. Yeah, he ended up fourth place, I think. That's right. Yes, um, <laughs> he did. It was really good. Okay, so top of the top of the heap, though. I mean, we, we've all right. We've we've delayed it enough. Yes. So Sebastian Vettel um, Pretty took off on lap one and never never looked back. I mean, you know, there were, he cycled through behind the pit stops. So Jensen Button was leading the race for a little while, but after after all the pits, I mean, Vettel drove a faultless race and uh, you know went on with a comfortable margin to to win it. Um, after winning it and after the other cars pit, then his his you know engineer Rocky got on the radio and said, "Oh, and by the way, you've won the championship." Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was an incredible moment. Um, not. And again, I mean, this has happened. This happened in two thousand and seven. This happened, um, almost happened in two thousand eight, and it happened again this year. The guy that was down quite a bit ends up winning the winning the championship. Yeah, and this is actually the first time in a while we've seen the race winner win the championship, which is yes. nice because you know yes. without like with with Button finishing fifth in Brazil last year, yeah. Hamilton he, finished fifth in Brazil you know, the year before. Yeah, and they're 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 not on the podium, they're not in interviews, you know, we don't get to see interviews with them on the US TV anyway. I'm sure they get that on the, you know the rest of the world or whatever, but um, it's sort of like, "Oh, and he won the championship, but we're not talking about him because he didn't win the race." But it was I mean, it was a huge win for Vettel. He didn't even realize he was, you know, in position. He didn't know where the other guys were as far as the right. championship. He was just focused on his own race, and and it, he, I mean, he came out with it. He, he was he at no point except for right now was he leading the drivers' championship. You know, with Ferrari's success early in the season, and then and then Sebastian's all of his car reliability. Well, stuff. yeah, Vettel's Vettel's first three races of the season were atrocious. Yep, and it weren't those weren't his fault. Yep, and uh, and so he just he, you know come to come from behind from third spot, and then just with the way. The uh, Renault Ferrari situation shaped up, and then with the McLarens and everything, it just it ended up. Um, it's it's crazy how these things go, but that's that's why it's interesting to us. Yes. Um, with so Sebastian Vettel, first time World Championship winner, the podium was all three. Uh, you know, three two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and current World Champion. Yeah, it was, it was pretty pretty wild moment, and Sebastian had. Had, had like all of all the emotions. I think at once uh, he didn't know he was he was excited. He was happy. He was crying. He was emotional. He was it was like, you know, it's like oh this isn't real yet. I don't know what to say. Right, he right. says I have nothing to say, and he proceeds to talk for like ten minutes. Uh, so it was. I mean, it was. I woke up. I brushed my brushed my teeth. Had a little cereal. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, we had um, certainly. You know, in some of the media, and, and certainly I think our our fan base and whatever were really pulling for Weber. Um, and and you know frustrated to see how everything's gone uh, with with the team and the way you know it seems like Rivers been treated and just the uh, all the back and forth there. But I think more than anything, people were just not wanting to see Alonso win it, especially not because of the team orders back in Germany and to have Alonso right. win it by less than seven points and all that. Um, so, well, well, I mean, you know, Alonso again, he's the perfect villain, and that makes life easier. Uh, Vettel is much more ambiguous because he didn't really ever do anything wrong i mean he's made mistakes but he's never done anything vindictive or wrong and 
you know, he's kind of had his more uh, more or less immature moments, but he's he's a nice guy and he he just he's ridiculously fast. Yeah. And to see him make as many mistakes as he did and some of them were quite stupid spa Rick comes to mind. Mm-hmm. He he won the championship. He was just so fast so often. He won pole position 10 times. He was, you know, Red Bull 1-2s all over the place. Uh, he was pushed by his teammate Mark Webber mercilessly. Mercilessly, whatever the word is. Mercilessly. <laughs> mercilessly, that's the word. And uh, he just kept coming back and coming back and coming back. So I don't know how, I don't know how to deal with this. Because how much of it is that Vettel won it and how much of it is that Weber lost it? And just like you mentioned earlier, when did Weber lose it? I, I was shocked by Weber's qualifying performance on Saturday. Yeah. You know, Alonso's won the pole position 10 times, and it's always been these ridiculous laps. But almost every one of those 10 times, the one person nipping at his heels has been his teammate, Mark Weber. And he was nowhere to be seen this time. Fifth place. Yeah, and I mean the McLarens had all kinds of pace and and outdid him here. And then obviously being behind Alonso as well, it was just um, it's 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 hard to know. I mean it's it's an interesting it's it's a tricky thing to think about because in one so you know obviously every race driver wants to do the best he possibly can. Absolutely. Um, so the, it, 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 at one point it's like oh I just go as fast as I can. But I've got to imagine there's some emotions about the you know does he want to. Um, you know, he's putting himself out there to, you know, to satisfy the team that hasn't been supportive of him and get all these results and all this good things for these guys that he's not being happy about right now. Um, does that matter at all? Or is he just thinking about his own race or did he just, you know, not have his mind right? Maybe he was, you know, not as used to dealing with the pressure. I mean, it's not like Vettel, um, has been in this under this kind of pressure before. I mean, you know, Hamilton knows what's going on. Uh, Button, you know, yeah. those guys have dealt with it. Obviously like Michael Schumacher, you know, understands all about pressure and all that, but, um, I don't know if, if Weber just sort of couldn't quite get his mind right to get to get the lap together, or if there was just something on you know the car and the track that wasn't working for him. But yeah, it just it, I, it I wasn't almost, seeing the pressure from him either in qualifying to get you know those those blistering paces or those times when he does out qualify Vettel, um, yeah. or and then in the race it just didn't seem like there was pressure on on Alonso and that he was just not as aggressive as right. he would have needed to be. Exactly, and you know in, during qualifying he just didn't seem to. There wasn't that same push. There wasn't any kind of response to Vettel's lap times, and there almost always is between those two. Um, the pre-race interview with Weber, hey, you know, if, if you and Vettel are in a place where you need to um, swap positions, you think Vettel will do it? And he was like, oh, I don't know. You'll have to ask him. He didn't have energy. He didn't have intensity. He just seemed, you know, he just seemed to me like he'd lost the race before he'd even started it. Yeah, if only there was some kind of like drink he could have that would give him some energy or something. Yeah, something like... something that might have a, a lifting kind of capability, yeah. like you had wings or something. Somebody should make that. I think they could make some good money doing that. It's it's possible. But I think so so here's the here's the real question. Worry will no doubt debate this a little bit um during the off season. And yes, there will be an off season podcast or two. Um is how much of that is the team's fault? You know, should cuz in a way you could say, "Wow, this is a big I told you so." from Christian Horner and the Red Bull team because they never pick sides, quote-unquote, and the one that no one thought would win did. Yeah, the, you know, with like we talked about last weekend, with uh, not swapping drivers when they were leading in Brazil to put Mark Webber in a better spot for the championship, and that's partly the part of the question you're asking. Well, if Mark Webber right. 
were in a better point of the championship if he were or only, felt more support from the team. Yeah, if he were only one one point behind, would that change his outlook or his abilities? Would that have made the difference? And it's sort of impossible to know, but it's an interesting thing to think about. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, I think you know Dieter Matischitz and whatever, and all the guys at Red Bull and Christian Horner who seem to be backing Vettel, despite everything they say that everybody's even and all that. Um, they're they're just not. We all know it. Yeah, uh, it's you know they've vindicated themselves as far as hey we're not going to favor one guy or another and now uh if it had gone the other way i mean if the results had been the same today after having swapped around in uh in in brazil and they would have then they lost the championship because of that then everyone would have called them fools and all that so it's i mean they've been consistent you can't uh consistent about not favoring mark weber i guess i mean it's right it's uh but it, it but it, it hasn't been it hasn't been egregious you know what i mean and and that's where it gets kind of opaque for us, right? Like, we don't know what happens behind the scenes. We don't know the attitude that Mark Webber sees versus the attitude that Vettel sees. Vettel gets tons of love from um, the founder of Red Bull down. Yeah. Obviously. Webber, it's 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 much, you know, Webber gets um, a lot of love from his personal trainer, gets a lot of love from his own engineer, but beyond that, it's definitely... It's definitely a little bit more of a gray area. He doesn't have the greatest relationship with Christian Horner. That's pretty obvious. And he definitely doesn't feel like he's gotten support from the team. And, you know, maybe it was just too much. And it's hard to say because everyone really wanted to. I mean, that was what Facebook was exploding about is he's going to overcome all of this and win it anyway, despite the team kind of like, you know, a, a more grand version of Silverstone. And uh, a great comeback kid. Exactly. But that's all that stuff adds up. You know what I mean? And if you truly believe that your mother doesn't love you, it's harder to be a success in life than if you have the support. And I think that's in large part what happened here. For sure. And there's, you know, not a whole lot I have to to add to that. It's because it's, you know, they in post-race interviews uh, talking to Weber, they say, are we going to fight for this again next year? And he goes, yes. <laughs> wow! Uh, big answer there, Mark. Way to rock their boat on that. I mean, of course you're going to fight again for this next year, and and you know, unless he was announcing, oh no, I'm going to quit the team and I'm going to go start Weber Racing and screw you guys, or I'm done with F1, I'm going to go be ready. I mean, two Bs. If there were some you know big to say, but it's like, oh yeah, of course it's going to be uh, it's going to be great. Uh, he's going to fight again next year, and and who knows? But uh, I mean, just like when we saw um, Fernando and Lewis as teammates at McLaren. Yeah, and the press releases and all that, oh, our drivers are equal and everything's good. And they had, you know, commercials together and all these different things. It's like, oh, no, everything's great between our teammates. But it obviously affects on-track performance. And Absolutely. There's, there's, there's no question about that. And how much it affects it and how that could have changed the outcome is, is impossible to know for sure. But uh, it's – so I, I guess um, – I mean, I'm a, I'm a bit disappointed to see uh, Weber – you know, obviously disappointed, you know, that he couldn't come back and have this, this dream story. I think, you know, that's actually my prediction was that, you know, it would be a Vettel-Weber 1-2, that Vettel would, you know, take the, the classy move of, of letting him by or whatever and um, sort of showing, you, hey, you guys, you think we're all, you know, I'm this ass or I'm this, you know, this punk <laughs> kid. Um, but no, you know, I'd, I'd you know, rather have my teammate win it than, than another rival and, you know, this is going to be all great and, you know, Christian Corner won't get in trouble because they've said, oh, it's not team orders. It's all down to the drivers, but the driver can do that. And, you know, like that would have been, you know, what a, what a result. Um, but as it is, I mean, you know, I think it's, it's, it's great for Vettel. It's obviously great for Vettel. Um, it's probably, and his- he earned it. I mean, I'm not, I don't think either of us are trying to take away from what Vettel did. You know, I, I think everyone pretty much agrees that Vettel is extraordinarily quick and that's just the fact of the matter. And 
Weber has the ability to be faster when he digs deep. And, you know, Vettel did a tremendous job. Absolutely wonderful. And uh, I do not want to take anything away from him. And I do think there is some uh, satisfaction or happiness from a, at least a good contingent of our fans that uh, Alonso didn't win. Um, that uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of Ferrari supporters, a lot of Tifosi and all that, and some people that are behind Alonso and some that aren't. And with team orders and with everything that's gone on, that's that's definitely changed the dynamic as well. But uh, hey, it is what it is now. It's it's in the books. The 2010, you know, right. you know, Red Bull 2010 is a pretty amazing story. Um, it's well, you know, since you mentioned Alonso though, yeah, and we've talked a little bit about how Alonso couldn't get around Petrov. After the race on the cooldown lap, Alonso had something to say to Petrov, but he didn't use his words. He used his fist. Yeah. Kind of a, you know, S my B with my fist type of maneuver. And Petrov responded like, what do you want from me? Um, so, Jim, if you will, why don't you explain briefly what happened and your thoughts on it? Well, it's, you know, I think Alonso um, being obviously a race driver and, and having everything at stake and all that, um, just getting frustrated, uh, couldn't get around Alon- around Petrov and couldn't get around him and, and, you know, figured, oh, why isn't he getting out of the way? It's like, well, because he's racing you for position, dude. He's, you know, you're, you're behind him. Right. And uh, just, you know, after all that, just kind of like, ah, you know, not like, screw you, but just like, you know, screw you for not being easier to pass. You know? Right, so right. I think it was just a moment of frustration. I mean, what else are you going to do? What else are you going to feel in that moment when, uh, you know, it was he was in the lead of the championship and then to uh, to have it have it end like this and uh and i give credit to petrov for you know what dude what do you want from me i was yeah. in front of you you couldn't get around me if you were faster than me you would have passed me and it wouldn't have been a big deal but screw you and he kind of so this was on track though i mean the uh with the cars and uh alonzo's sort of pushing uh, uh petrov out to the outside and, and petrov's <laughs> not having it he's like what do you want and he kind of turns his car turns back into right the back into him, yeah, yeah and uh and and has it so so uh, yeah tensions are high i don't think he's got a yeah. lot going on everything else but what a I'm sorry. I it was a dick move. Yeah. There's no other word for it. Okay. There's one other word. It was a cock up. It was a cock move. <laughs> so, um, I, I I guess at the end of the day, I don't care how much was riding on this for Alonso. Do you know what I mean? It's like if it were anybody else, you could almost excuse it. But because it was Alonso, and we've seen so much of this in like every aspect of his racing career. I mean, he really is like. Schumacher used to be in some ways where he was an amazing driver and how relentless he was in every aspect of doing well in the sport. Mm. But then that just comes off, you know, you know, there's no human aspect to it. And so for him to, to be, to take it as, you know, something that Petrov did wrong just because Petrov bettered him, you know, it's just, it's weak. Yeah, and I think the Ferrari team and everything, I mean, he's been put into a situation, and actually I read an article about this, is kind of the, uh, the the branding and kind of the approaches of the different team where Ferrari is so much about winning and being number one, and they've got this big prestigious history and, and this whole thing um, in, in comparison to Red Bull, who's, uh, you know, they could compete in so many different forms of motorsport and, you know, everything, and, and you know, air races and all kinds of screwball stuff, like Red Bull Flugtag and all oh, this yeah, stuff. Oh, yeah, and, you know, snowboarders and, and it's sort ski, of, skiing, yeah, skateboarding, the X and, Games type stuff. And with yeah. Red Bull, it seems it's sort of the thrill of the competition, and it's anybody can be involved, but, you know, we're all going to, you know, get out there and do extreme things and have high energy, and it's going to be great. Except for Mark Webber, um, not invited. 
<laughs> and then, and but Ferrari is more about winning. I mean, when they, you know, in in every Ferrari model, when it's got the little plaque, it's like a Ferrari F1 World Champions, and it's got the num the years of uh -huh, you know, when they won uh -huh. the championship. It's like such a part of their DNA is winning, not just racing, not being there, taking part in it, but winning. And we heard on the radio, uh, his, you know, his his team, uh, you know, I don't know his team principal, who I was, if it was uh, engineers, it seems like everybody getting on the radio to Alonzo were like, we know you're pushing as hard as you can, but push, push harder. harder. <laughs> yeah, you need to get around him. You need to do this. And it's like, and I'm sure, you know, in the car, he's like, I know, what the hell, you know, like, uh, so I think after after all that, after, you know, just you know coming in with the lead being ahead of his main rival and you know doing the pits to be like okay we're ahead of weber we're doing our thing and then just unexpectedly uh to everyone getting stuck behind the renault that he could not get around and it's a renault of all the cars yeah, yeah. and then his team's getting on and we go, oh you got to go faster and he's like dude i'm trying and then yeah. at the end of the race i mean i i can just imagine you know it's like he all, I mean, I think that is the human response of like, <laughs> you know, as a driver, yeah, if it was all driver, it's like, okay, I did, failed to do this, failed to complete the objective, and so whatever. But the human aspect was just like, ah, you guys, what do you want from me? I tried, God, you know. Yeah, so. I, yeah, I mean, I, I can see that side of it. It's just, if this were the isolated incident, it would be different. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it is one of those shocking questions. I think, you know, as we go on, as we sit back and digest this a little bit, it's going to be, Wow, how did Alonso lose this? Because he had eight points on Weber, he had fifteen on Vettel, and they they, they really were in the position to win it. And well, after qualifying was over, he was in the perfect position. He was and, in third place. Yeah, he was in third place. He had Weber behind him. All he had to do is keep an eye on Vettel, and he would have been fine. And I think the McLaren surprise pace, I mean, and, and that, that must have been felt great for McLaren, right, mm -hmm. to have those updates. And then, you know, just to, yeah, we didn't win, but we stopped Ferrari from winning <laughs> has got to be like the second best outcome, right? You sure, sure. And, and, and it was such a long time for I McLaren mean, to win. They weren't going to anyway. But McLaren, in a personal sense, you know, they did, they were technically in a battle for the constructors, number two spot constructors against Ferrari. So they wanted to make sure they scored more points from them, Ferrari, just to make sure. Yeah. So I think it was, it was you know, just... The Ferrari guys, you know, being too focused on on Weber and not thinking about you know the you know the other competitors ahead or whatever it was, but uh, yeah, it's just it's just it's crazy how these things end up, and it, it, like you say, it'll take I think a bit of digesting to really sort of go back and think about it and uh, and analyze it and so on. Okay, um, one more question. Yes, do we and most everybody that uh, talks and comments about Formula One owe Red Bull an apology? Um, yeah, I could, I, I would, I would say that's, uh, um, I don't know, not necessarily an apology, but I guess, you know, an acknowledgement that, yeah, they, they, to, to not do team orders, to not, uh, to be consistent at least about controlling the on-track order of their cars in the race, um, obviously they made it work. I mean, yeah. that we have to acknowledge you can't argue with success, I guess. Right. So, uh, that's, you know. that, for better or worse... Worse if you're a Weber fan, I'm sure. While there were definitely signs of favoritism, there was never any um, outright favoritism on track. And they stuck to those principles from race one through race 19. Was it 18 or 19? 19. 19. Because we went to Korea, yeah. Right. So you have to give them credit for that. And when... Uh, Dieter said we are willing to be number two in the championship as opposed to going against these principles. Everyone thought he was crazy, but at the same time, 
those were principles and they were sticking to them. The fact that the race worked out the way they did, way it, it, I'm impressed. They did get lucky with what happened with Alonzo, but just like you say, I think an acknowledgement that they stuck to principles that ended up working their way. Fair enough. Yeah, that's uh, it, it's crazy how it worked out. I mean, just looking down the the order, just to sort of we've we've talked about it here, but uh, final order uh, we had Vettel, uh, obviously with uh, with the win, uh, Hamilton and Button, which who ended up right on track. You know, nose to tail for the finish, which is kind of cool photo finish for that. Yeah, sure. Uh, Rosberg, who I'm sure Ferrari wasn't counting on a Mercedes being up there. Nope. Um, Kubica and Petrov, because after uh, Kubica's uh, much later pit stop, he did come out come out um, right, correct ahead of Petrov. So uh, yeah, two Renaults pushing Alonso. His final result to being seventh spot. I mean, I'm, that's I'm sure they were only thinking about oh, possibly uh, Red Bull or two in front of us, McLaren yeah. maybe on an off chance, but with. Um, both McLarens, a Mercedes, and both Renaults. It just didn't come into the equation for them. Um, Mark Webber finishing just behind Alonso. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Jaime Algashwari in the Toro Rosso getting two points. Good for him. Ahead of Felipe um, Massa. Ahead of Massa. He was yeah. able to hold off Massa for a long time. And then there was some other talk about that. Oh, is, is uh, you know, the SDR team that's got Ferrari engines, so they're going to let, you know, Massa buy. No. Yeah. You know, it also <laughs> says on. Red Bull on the side exactly. of that car. Exactly. So, silly. Yeah. And either way, that's... Yeah, this, uh, there's not not that many of the inter team in team orders. Um, yeah, so Massa in uh, in tenth spot, so not not the best wingman for Fernando this weekend, but uh, whatever. Um, Heidfeld in the Sauber um, held on to it. That Sauber did not blow up. That was uh, that was good for it. And uh, Rubens Barrichello and the Williams behind him, and then uh, you know Force India, Sutil, uh, Kobayashi, whatever. A um, couple other guys down there. Hulkenberg sixteenth. That's kind of a disappointment after uh, after his Brazil success and. Uh, Kovalainen, best of the best of the new guys with uh, 17th in the Lotus, and you know Timo Glock's car died with 10 laps to go. I guess caught fire or whatever. So uh, you know pretty low attrition for the race um, uh-huh. with uh-huh. just the two cars of Schumacher and Lucy out in lap one, and then Glock out on lap 44, and that was it. And uh, yeah, and for the drivers' championship results, this is how it ended up. Yes, Sebastian Vettel wins the drivers' championship with 256 points. Alonzo was second, four points behind with 252. And real quick on that. Um, yes. So if Alonzo had passed Petrov, um, they would have been tied on points. He would have four more points. He would have 256 points um, for, you know, Vettel and Alonzo. And then it goes down to, okay, well, who had the most wins? Well, they had the same. Well, who had the most second places? They had the same. Who had the most <laughs> third places? The same. They would have gone down to fourth places. And uh, I believe Vettel had four to Alonzo's two. Vettel would have won that, yep. which is just ridiculously close to think about <laughs> it. So, so, so for two things: one, saying that the scoring and the points, and oh, we're getting more points, and it all kind of works out, and the ratios and all that. I mean, it doesn't get much closer than this. The fact that if he'd made one more pass, it would have been so close they would have had to go down to fourth place finishes. Yeah. Um, and by the way, Ecclestone still isn't happy with this and wants to do his uh, medal system. Yeah, um, but but also, um, to, you know, that's. Uh, so it's super, super close, but also, you know, Alonso was, it's not even like it was, you know, one position away. He would have had to make two passes that would, you know, to get around both Renaults. Both mm-hmm. Renaults. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And, uh, and to make it happen. So, uh, yeah, it was very, very close to the end of it. And, uh, so yeah, 256 for Vettel, 252 for Alonso. Yeah. And all the way, another 10 points back for third, Mark Weber, 242 points. And Lewis Hamilton actually nipping at his heels with a second place finish here, ended up with 240 points for the season. Button, not in contention this race, uh, but was part of the contention all the way up to Brazil. Ended up with 214, and then it's all the way down to 144 points 
for sixth place, Felipe Massa. Only two of, points behind him, Nico, of, Nico Rosberg. Right. Of the big three teams, Massa just – he was the one guy that just really couldn't um, get get going and really become competitive with this. I think there were some ebbs and flows, and he had a chance to get some momentum going in Germany. And lots we of, all lots know, of ebbs, though. Yes. <laughs> and we all know what happened in Germany, so that kind of wrote him off, just like you said. Uh, Rosberg ended up uh, with 242, Kubica with 200, uh, 142, 136 for Kubica. Schumacher with 72. With about half of that many yeah, points. Yeah, another big drop. And then 10th, Rubens Barrichello in the Williams so with 47 it, points. So, yeah, and, and actually Adrian Sutil with 11th, uh, with, in, in 11th spot, also with 47 points. I mean, it's, it's kind of amazing when you think about, um, you know, all the different teams, different rules, different tires, different strategies, and all this stuff, and that it's still really all about the top three teams um, but, but even there, this, the point spread is, uh, you know, from 256 points, you know, down to 10th place to Rubens is 47 points. I right. Mean, you know, right. With, one and five. And that's with points going all the way back to 10th uh, place. And, uh, it's, it's still, you know, it's the same, you know, it's the racing dynasties. It's Ferrari is up there. It's McLaren, um, and, and Red Bull just proving beyond anyone's doubt that, uh, that they're, you know, excellent at making F1 and, and making that work. And in terms of Rookie of the Year awards, they kind of all clumped themselves together here, the main ones anyway, with uh, Kamui Kobayashi, who some consider a rookie still because he only had two races last year. He's a rookie, for sure. Um, tw- <laughs> 12th. Um, Vitaly Petrov right behind him, 13th. That's 32 points to 27 points. And another five points back, Nico Hulkenberg uh, with the Williams in 14th. So very close, especially considering the new point system, five points separating each place there. Very, very tight, very close, uh, very impressive. And one point behind him with 21 points is uh, Vita Antonio Liuzzi, uh, ended up 15th in the championship. Uh, Sebastian Buemi with eight points. Pedro de la Rosa with six points from earlier in the year. Heidfeld also with six points. Um, <laughs> it's funny how that goes. Yeah. Uh, Algeshwari with five points was the last point score. So 19 drivers scored points. Uh, so officially, zero of the new teams uh, for 2010, scored any points. No, no points awarded. Um, Lotus does take 10th in the Constructors' Championship by virtue of just finishing positions, but it is uh, even with points going out of 10th place. So no, none of the new cars for the bottom three teams ever got a top 10 finish the entire year, uh, which, you know, after seeing the results of Bahrain and stuff, it would have been kind of, you know, kind of impressive to see them all finish the race. Um, and all but one did today. Yeah. But uh, it's, uh, yeah, so that, that's how it ends up for the new teams. One Although, thing interesting here that I, I like, Karun Chandok is listed as the highest of the four HRT drivers in the championship. And despite him having not very much seat time in that car, very interesting to me, ahead of Bruno Senna, I might add. Yeah, but he's such a nice guy, you know? I mean, it's, he's, he's, he's a good guy. Karun. Chandok? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, but I'm so I'm saying he beat him. He beat Senna in the championship somehow. Yeah, somehow. I don't I mean, we'd have to look back into exactly how. But, uh, yeah, uh, considering that he got in the car to compete a lot less often than Bruno did, that's uh, – It's, it's kind of wild how that, uh, how, that, how that pans out. And then uh, Constructors' Championships, uh, just to run through that briefly, Red Bull Renault not quite to 500 points but 498. Uh, obviously, they tied up the championship last weekend and with Vettel's win got another uh, bunch of points here. So 498 for them, uh, 454 points for McLaren. Uh, so, you know, really, really not not far off there. Uh, Ferrari with 396 points. So, you know, almost a, a one-two's worth of points back from uh, from McLaren. Ferrari at a And know, real quick with McLaren, place. 454 points out of, and not too far from 498 in second place. Considering that that car was third, sometimes the fourth fastest car. I mean, you know, people in terms of on-track performance, that was the slowest of the 
of the fast cars um, in a lot of areas. And they still just really good team strategy, really good driving by both the drivers in completely different scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you were to look at um, um, correlation, um, Jensen Button and Hamilton, you know, oppose each other pretty well. So, you know, if Hamilton's struggling, Button to do well and vice versa. So uh, I think hats off to McLaren for making a less than uh, great base car working really, really well. For sure. Uh, with Ferrari with 396 points, um, big jump back to Mercedes with uh, 214. Uh, then another jump back to Renault in fifth place uh, with 163 points. And then about a 100-point jump down to uh, Williams with 69. One point behind them, Force India. Uh, then, oh, finally, uh, after this race, uh, Sense will purveyor the BMW Sauber <laughs> Ferrari team. will finally be able to drop the BMW from their name because it had nothing to do with BMW all year. <laughs> they had 44 points. Um, ninth place, STR Ferrari with 13 points was the last to score points. And as we mentioned, Lotus, best of the rest, HRT, and Virgin ended up in the very bottom spot. Um, all of the last three with zero points. There it is. Okay. Well, we've talked plenty. Yes. Let's hear from our listeners. That is right. Once again, and always, it is our favorite part of the show. It is least listener feedback. And this just in, Jim Lau has hair. Yeah, it's a, it's a big development. Uh, so we got uh, an email from Andy Barnes, who apparently... This is my favorite well, email well, We mentioned about the show at two different times. We didn't realize that... Uh, what is it? Is it Twitter is like something... A, couch. A, a something... Cu- the, a busted sofa. A busted sofa. Um, that that's the same guy as Andy Barnes uh, on Facebook or whatever. But anyway, he wrote us an email because of how excited we were to get an email last time. Yay! You know, we're also excited to get comments and tweets and Facebook posts and all that. And apparently he just done all those as well. But, uh, hey, this is this is nice. Um, and, you know, just had a lot of great uh, comments for us and feedback. Uh, he's digging the show. I want to say how fantastic he's been uh, downloading the show for two years. And um, he's been an F1 fan since 89 and, uh, and, and likes our sort of – little bit off track sometimes uh you know i have not afraid to have a laugh with the drivers uh you know not as not as pc as all the broadcasters and all that um apparently he's, and we do have a little less riding on it than they do so you know to be fair yeah um yeah we might we might make both of our listeners mad and they wouldn't tune in next week <laughs> uh, but no so apparently he's he's as old as schumacher so i'm actually pretty impressed he was able to send an email exactly <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming he had his granddaughter help probably you know it, it's one of those things but uh yeah so and uh anyway just have, having a having a good, uh, you know, good feedback for us. And uh, apparently, he says that I. Well, I mean, he does say um, he always thinks <laughs> I sound like Moby. Uh, has that ever been said before? No, that has not been said before. Because uh, I, I've, I've listened to a fair amount of. Uh, it's not that funny. It is though. I've known you for years, and I never knew that you also well, lived you, in New York and did. You know, have you listened to Moby just like talk on like a radio show or anything though? No. Well, yes, many times. You know, I, I sit across the table from him all the time. Oh. I just didn't know this. Yeah, fair enough. So anyway, um, so, you know, he had a – this is – Andy had a mental picture of what I looked like and was amazed to find that I have hair. Yes, I have hair, and that's uh, that's pretty amazing. Um, Don't feel too bad because he thought I was a girl this whole time. Yeah, well, not the only one. 
<laughs> oh, you just you just rip me. Just wait till predictions, pal. Oh, you just wait till predictions. No, you just wait till predictions. Okay, but from the Twitter nets, I had to be careful now not to check anything before watching the race with you. We had to watch it a little bit delayed, and with championship results on the line, you know people are going to be messaging, and oh my god, I can't believe it's Vettel. Ah, exactly, you know, exactly. I want to stay away from that, so I, I'm just reading through some of these now, but uh, Cam McGrath gets so excited uh, on these races. He must have been gutted today being an Aussie um, to uh, Aussie to um, not see Weber come to world championship them, but um, as many, many people were. Yes. Um, and, and just, uh, you know, other uh, Malloy Bishop, uh, that's an, an oldie, but a goodie. That's uh, Emily, I think from the UK um, also uh, shouting out to us on Twitter. So thank you for that. Um, yes. But the, the Facebook page was kind of a madhouse when I went to well, check that we had lots of comments and updates. Yeah, Facebook page blew up, which was awesome. But I want to uh, give a couple more shout outs via email. We had three emails in response to, uh, this podcast, um, one from Leanne Court, who said, Hi, Jim and Robin. As we fast approach the final race, take the opportunity to say, I've enjoyed your podcast this year. It is my first year downloading podcasts, but it fast became an important part of my F1 weekend. Yes! So thank you very much for that. She go out, goes on to say Result. that she hopes we uh, keep doing it, and we will. And uh, one more, uh, Holden Stewart, just uh, keeping this email thing going. He's uh, trying to turn it into a trend, and who knows? People are... Uh, uh, doing more and more emails. You might have just started a resurgence here, but now onto the F1 show page itself, which is the coolest place ever to go. Um, so quick shout out to everybody, like we always promise, Michael Kornbrecha, Neil Poppin. Oh, Kornbrecha, he must be so sad. He's like, he's, he's Weber oh, on pole, Weber to win everything. And oh, yeah. Didn't yeah, happen. not so much was he happy. Oh, sorry, Neil Michael. Poppin, Chris Alsop, Tony Bird, Brian Hoover, who specifically wrote on the F1 show page just to get his name read out. Well, Brian Hoover. There's your name a second time. Brian Hoover, that's a third. Uh, Neil Popham again don't a couple pander. more times. <laughs> Ken Frischnecht, shut up. No, you got it right. That was good. Yes! Jason Anderson, Joseph Simmons, Bellissimo said it uh, came out again. Mark Williams and Ken Frischnecht with the frowny face bringing that, that it to a close. kind of says it all, I think. I the, think uh, that does sum it up for a lot of pain. But Facebook, oh man, I don't even know where to begin. There were lots and lots of people. Pretty consistent message though. Boo Alonzo, glad he lost. Yay, Vettel. He drove really well. Weber, frowny face, frowny face, yeah. frowny face. <laughs> a couple clever – yeah, so uh, Rob Evans posts, Fernando, Sebastian is faster than you. Please confirm that you have received this <laughs> message. <laughs> you know what? And I, I put in Alonzo in Google, and that that little phrase came up all over the place. A lot of people loved um, playing words on that. Rob Smedley, you are more famous than you ever realized you would be with that little line of yours. Yes. Uh, Jaffa Graves says, so now what happens to Weber? Excited for the off-season drama. Um, you know, he does have a contract for next year, and unless anything super crazy happens, he will probably drive for Red Bull again next year. We talked about that a bit in the, uh, in the last show. Um, but, yeah, there are countless people that have uh, just even today uh, yeah. posted things, and we can't thank them all. But uh, Well, one I would like to mention, mention in result um, from one of the things we talked about. Emotion, spirit, passion are all good qualities in a driver. Two times world champion acting like a cock isn't. Stewart's turn the blade. Give him community service. Make him go coach a junior Formula One driver, preferably someone in a Renault. And I think that sums up a lot of the emotions people are feeling towards Alonso uh, in a more general sense about his championship run and a specific sense with his little gesture to Petrov. 
So thank you, Paul. Yes, and uh, obviously we don't have another race coming up for another 118 days or whatever it is. There's already countdowns and everything. Yes. Uh, but we do like to uh, keep you guys up to date uh, with a postseason update and usually a preseason update uh, early next year. So yes. uh, we don't know exactly where and when those will be, but uh, we do. We really like the Facebook page. Uh, we we'll, should have some time to keep in there and, and you know keep people on top of yeah. uh, different developments that are going on and certainly keep the conversation going. I mean, it's right now, um, as it sits, it's 816 uh, just – you know, Facebook, uh, just F1 fans, you know, people that like the show and uh, and like F1 and, and enjoy talking about it and without being too serious and uptight about it. So <laughs> um, definitely stop by F1show.com. Yes. You can see links to our Twitter feed and our Facebook page and all that stuff. You can write comments on the shows. And if you've got great ideas of things you want us to look into or questions you want answered or you know, you have bones to pick with us or whatever. Yeah. Um, you can email us to feedback at F1show.com. You can leave a comment you can Facebook us, all those other things. Um, and that'd be great. And, uh, you know, if we'll hopefully you know, have some of that information to, uh, and as well as developments from the off season to be able to bring you a postseason update later on in the year. Yeah. So that's it for listener feedback right now. And it is on to trivia. 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 Okay, so trivia time, uh, although since we don't exactly know when our next show is going to be, uh, we don't have a new question for you, but everyone, I'm sure, is just dying to know the answer to last week's trivia question. And the question was, who was the first constructor to win the championship, and what was their country of origin? Well, a couple of you did correctly answer this, and it was the British constructor, Van Wall, founded by Tony Vandervelde that won the 1958 inaugural title. And some interesting facts. I really love this. Tony Brooks and Sterling Moss were the drivers that year, taking third and second in the driver's title in the process. Another, another man on the team was a young designer named Colin Chapman. How cool is that? That's cool, man. Yeah, I, I, I definitely did not know about Van Wall. And uh, we had a couple of guesses, people to make, oh, was it Ferrari or maybe Alfa Romeo who used to be back in it then? Right, and, right. You know, a lot of the old early constructors. And I, I was, you know, my yeah. guess to you after we recorded that was like, it's probably some weird, obscure British dude. <laughs> and, and it was. It pretty much was. Yeah, and the, and the key was that they didn't do the constructor's title until 1958. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Alfa Romeo and uh, Ferrari were definitely in there with, uh, you know, Juan Man Fangio and all those guys. Uh, back in the day, but uh, it was 1958. And the interesting thing about the team, it was they did their first Grand Prix, a full-fledged Grand Prix in like 54 or something like that, and they weren't very good. And Colin Chapman came in in 1956 because people were telling Vandervelde, dude, this this guy's smart. you got to hire him. So he was – that's that's kind of how he got a start. It's pretty he like cool. Adrian Newey, their Jaguar. Big time. Nice. Isn't that something? And, it's and Sterling Moss, too, being second second in the driver's title. In Van I mean, Sterling, Sterling you know – the person everyone thinks about when it comes to talent that was never rewarded with a with a title. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's it's wild to think about that now that eight years went by uh, of the Drivers World Championship before you know not that it hadn't occurred to anyone, but before they officially instituted a constructors championship. And it seems so natural now. Like, well, of course yeah. there's a constructors, and that's more important for some re you know for for a lot of teams and for a lot of business and all that. Um, and it's like with the drivers, but you know that it went on for eight years without being, being like, you know what, we should maybe consider, you know have the teams win something too. It's, uh, it's kind of <laughs> funny to think about. Well, yeah, and I, I mean, you know, Formula One being kind of that's their one kind of unique calling card is that you know. If you're if you're a Formula One team, you build your own car. That's just the way it is, mm -hmm. and that's that that's been fudged a little bit here and there. And that's always actually true um, back in the '50s as well. In fact, uh, Vanderwall started by, I think they modified BRMs or something like that. That was their first start. Mm -hmm. But you have to, in one 
uh, one way or another build your own car. And that's pretty unique to the sport, especially today. I mean, you know, some people build their own cars um, in, uh, you know, in Le Mans and stuff like that, of course, with like the Audi and the Peugeots and all that. But there's also Lola and those kind of guys that are just yeah. building customer cars, that kind of thing. You cannot do that in Formula One. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, an interesting question. And uh, just like we said, for the offseason, if you guys have interesting trivia questions or things, uh, contact us any of the ways we've already mentioned. And uh, let's talk predictions. I'm excited about this. <laughs> Yes, it is predictions, and it is for the final time this season. It's a little bit, dis, uh, you know, sad in a way. It is. We've uh, we've had a good run. Um, it's it, you know midway through the season. It's like there's so many races. There's like nine more to go, and all of a sudden it's like with the, this last the one week between Brazil and Abu Dhabi. It's like it's all come together and ended very quickly. Yeah, it was me. a whirlwind. Yeah, absolutely. And um, as the our more regular listeners will know, I locked in the predictions championship against Jim. I had ten wins to his seven. Um, so the pressure was off for Jim and he ran with it and ended up doing really well. Uh, Jim, you won this race's predictions. Uh, you picked Vettel on pole and Weber to win the race. You were absolutely correct about Vettel and not so much with Weber. He ended up scoring seven points, but I predicted do or di- I predicted dire things for Red Bull. I thought it was all going to go wrong for them. So I put Weber on pole, which turned out to be the wrong Red Bull driver and, and I should have known better. And Alonso to win the race, um, he did not do that, and was in fact farther back. Yeah. So I ended up scoring ten points uh, to your seven, so you win. That means you won eight times to my ten, and uh, so it ended up turning being very close. Uh, we had a fan prediction. It was Brian Hoover. That was a fourth time. Good for you. Ooh, who nice. predicted Vettel on pole and Weber to win the race? Um, that was. Getting absolutely right for uh, qualifying and, again, not so much for the race win. He did exactly as you did, of course. Um, And finally, the the statistical model said Hulkenberg would be on pole. Yeah, what a doofus. And Vettel would win the race. And it turns out that the statistical model was absolutely correct about winning the race. But, of course, the statistical model being as stupid as it is – I hate that word, by the way – was very wrong about qualifying and ended up scoring 14 points as a result. So, it is time for the grand total of the, the championship of predictions. Okay. The F1 show champ- prediction constructor, wait, predictor championship. Yes. In right. fourth place. Yes. The fans with 215 <laughs> points. Sadly, uh, a couple of miscues there. And a couple of liberties on our part. And a couple of diehard Aussies. <laughs> and there's all kinds of all kinds of reasons. That, that hurt you a couple of times. Better luck next year is all we can say. Try not to HRT it every time. Uh, in third place, Jim Lau with yeah, 166 buddy. points. On the podium. Had a couple of, uh, couple of rough goes there, here and there. Some pretty high-scoring things. But then it really able to pull it back these last couple of runs. It was a strong, uh, strong run of the finish line. Second place. And who is it? The statistical model oh, yes. with 127 the, points. The late season Hulkenberg predictory just totally you, screwed it up. You can only be stupid and uh, and emotion free for so long before it bites you in the ass. That's right. I win with 125 points. Congratulations! Woo! I think that means you win a Red Bull. No. I <laughs> I don't know what I win. I think I win a break from eating because 
These culture of the races are killing me, man. Oh, but it's so good. <laughs> it okay, is. well, I think you may have neglected a very important part of our predictions and our important points uh, from last year, from the season finale last oh, yes. year. We had a couple mm-hmm. of predictions. Yes, uh, we did. At some point, I think we both think that we predicted who was going to win the championship, but we can't find. We that can't anyway. find it now. I don't know where. So, it if any of our real eagle-eared listeners um, had heard that and remember what we predicted, it was it was either end of last year or maybe very beginning of this year. Uh, we don't know what that was. Uh, I think Robin probably predicted Alonzo and I I don't know who I, I probably predicted like Lewis or Hamilton or something but yes. um Either way, what we did predict was highest place rookie, and I initially said uh, Bruno Senna before realizing that was stupid. But in the same episode, said, "Okay, well, if Ko- if Kobayashi counts as a rookie, which he does, um, he only had two races races last year and his full season this year." Um, I, I predicted Kobayashi. You predicted Nico Hulkenberg. Correct. And I was thinking, "Oh man, Hulkenberg had such good results and all that. It's got to be Hulkenberg." But I looked at in the points and. Um, between uh, there are two two positions apart, so Hulkenberg finishing seventeenth, but Komoe Kobayashi finishing fifteenth, I believe, in the and, in the drivers' championship. And Vitaly Petrov ended up being uh, ahead of uh, ahead of uh, Hulkenberg as well. So yeah, yeah, uh, because of your late uh, change to add Kobayashi to it. Uh, it was, yeah, it was in the same episode. It was the end of last year. It was I know, a, but a you, you said ago. you said Senna. You distinctly said Senna, and you even said officially Senna, unofficially Kobayashi. No, I said if it count, if Kobayashi can be counted as a rookie, then that's who my prediction will be. And I think we kind of uh, in the uh, Autosport Awards for Rookie of the Year, he is classified there as a rookie, and I think that's uh, there's definitely no question that I was so. Anyway, so the highest placed rookie was actually Vitaly Petrov. I was one away with um, Kobayashi, and you were three away with. Um, with whoever you, uh, Hulkenberg. Hulkenberg. Ah, Whatever. That's some Cokes or Woodbills or something, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that was like last year. I don't year. see that any w- points attached to that That's was, the problem. That was big. I see lots of Cokes attached to uh, my huge win against you in the championship here. Uh, but I don't care about beating you. I care about beating the statistical model because we got owned by the statistical model had we used it last year. So it was nice to see us, uh, you know, pull it out. Um but whatever. And I think we were both wrong about the championship as well. Yes. So I don't think either of us would have predicted Vettel. Although maybe I did, which is why I kind of want to know. Like as, as an oddball, <laughs> usually wrong. But every once in a while I have moments of brilliance. I may have predicted Vettel. And if I find that... Well, then that, maybe I did too. No, you didn't though. I know. I predicted Alonzo. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Well, should we go ahead and be bold, stupid um, predictors now? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So what are we predicting? Let's well, predict. Uh, let's predict every race next year, <laughs> right now. So the Indian Grand Prix. Who do you think is going to be good there? Um, the Marussia team. <laughs> what? Uh, it's going to be one of those again. Um, all right. So well, we could either go for Bahrain or we could go for the overall next next championship. Um, I say to be a little bit more fair to ourselves. Let's wait until the preseason stuff happens for Bahrain. But okay. let's pick the overall champions okay. right now. World champion 2011, 2011. F1 driver's champion. Yes. Do Sh- it. Do you think Schumacher go for eight? Oh. <laughs> ooh, ooh, you ooh think, that's bold. I mean, this is tough because you yeah, think, cause I, here's the thing. Like Renault with Kubica as its leader, and they have good momentum. And, and if they get the first-time winner because otherwise it's a, it'd be a repeat. It'd be a second for Jensen. It'd be a second for Lewis. It'd be a third for Alonso. It'd be a yeah. second for Vettel. You know, what first, if, first for Weber. Right. So if he were to win. So it's either like Weber or Kubica would be the only like new guys. But really. is Mercedes going to come back and be strong? Could is Ross Renault going to move up? Oh, Are, is you know is Red Bull going to be able to maintain this momentum? There's a lot going on here, pal. Lots to think about. I really should have thought about this before we were recording. Yeah, huh? it's too late now. Yeah, well, you didn't either, though, so it's all good. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, Fernando Alonso. Whoa! Really? Wow! That's 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 something. That is really something. Why? What do I need reasons? Because I think at the end of the season he'll have more points than everyone else. (laughs) That's a good reason. You're supposed to analyze. That's why people listen. We got to analyze and commentate. Stall. Just because you because you haven't thought of one yet. No, I I'm I've already. It's there. What do you have, Alonzo? No, I don't have Alonzo. You think Rosberg? No. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Let's think about this. I want to say Jensen Button, but it's probably not going to happen. I think uh, you know Button. Is in a very good position uh, to have a great career for a few more years, but I, I, I could see him winning more races doing that. I, I, I don't see him winning the championship again. I hate to say that because I'm a big button fan, of course, mm-hmm. but it's just not, you know, it, it's just not quite there. I think he he is really good at taking advantage of opportunities, but not necessarily just being fastest yeah. outright a bunch. Uh, Vettel being able to repeat is possible. Depends a lot on you know how quickly Red. Red Bull can go again. Yeah, well, and keeping in mind, so there's going to be new tire suppliers, so yep. that'll be a learning curve for everyone that's roughly equal, although some teams can probably adapt to it better than others. Um, there will be Kurs again. Red Bull doesn't have experience with Kurs yet. Um, McLaren, Ferrari do. Uh, there will be no more uh, F-ducts, um, right. which has been a big uh, Red Bull aerodynamics kind of thing. So, I mean, my, my thinking behind Ferrari, I mean, they just got much stronger the second half of the season. Yeah. They did just an amazing job. It's going to be – everyone's going to be that much more comfortable with each other, working together and everything at Ferrari with uh, Alonso's second year there. Massa is – I don't know what he'll be doing, but it doesn't matter. Um, I don't <laughs> think that they'll win Constructors' Championship, I guess. I think it'll be a more of a one-sided Alonso thing. Um, but uh, I think, you know, just with all the with all the developments and everything that they've got to do um, – like the Red Bull was sort of a surprise at the beginning of this year, uh, just like Braun was at the beginning of '09 and yeah. all that. You know, it's I, I just don't think they, uh, you know, that I think this is a one-time deal. Maybe they'll come back and be strong later, but I think for next year, Alonso will probably be on top of it. Not that I want that, but just as a reasonable prediction. And hopefully, that's given you time to come up with somebody. And what do you got? <laughs> Kobayashi, really? Okay, I'm putting it down. Come Lewis me, Hamilton. Oh, Lewis Hamilton. I love how you you know treated me like your toddler there. Just for, did did you have time to decide? Is it good? Um, yes, I've decided chocolate ice cream for my ice cream cone. Thank you very much. And I think Lewis Hamilton is going to win the drivers' championship. Why? I'm not exactly sure, except for the fact that Lewis Hamilton is remarkably fast, and he he seems to be he seems to really 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 want it all the time, and I think that's impressive. Um, it's gonna hit that curve. I was tempted to put Schumacher. I really was because I don't know too much about Ross Braun in terms of adversity and stuff like that. But I know he's no slouch. I think there's a very good chance that Mercedes is gonna be much stronger next year than it was this year. And I think Schumacher, now that he's kind of assimilated himself, I think he's gonna be one of those. I think he's gonna be able to have that discipline to be very focused on becoming a better driver again in 2011. I think he could show he could be a much stronger force this year than he next year than he was this year. So it'll be a Mercedes McLaren battle could be potentially. Think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, but it's tough. I mean, Kubica could be up. Who knows? I, it's this championship was pretty amazing to watch. And the fact that next year really could be better is 
you know, absolutely fantastic. It is pretty great. And I think that's uh, a good note to end it on for now. Uh, we want to thank everyone for their, for listening to the show, for their support, for their feedbacks, for their comments, questions, all that stuff. And, uh, this is why we do it. I mean, you know, for the, for the fans, we don't make any money off this. Uh, we don't, uh, we're, we're not super world famous or anything like that, but, uh, we just enjoy it. And, uh, when we, uh, hear back from you guys and, and have your thoughts and ideas and all that, it's, uh, it's all good. And so we, we appreciate everything, uh, Everything you guys have uh, been been hooking us up with uh, some some love all season, and uh, we'll we'll still be here uh, postseason stuff, preseason, all that, and uh, yeah, yeah. Keep in touch with us. We're going to be around. We're going to be doing things. This is kind of the time we take to assess how the how our show went over the season and try to improve it. Um, so we're definitely uh, we love getting opinions on that stuff. The the only problem with you guys is you tend to like us a lot and say, oh no, what you do is great, but we almost we want to hear some criticism to know how we can improve because Jim and I are both kind of you know, problem solvers uh, in, in habit, and we like being able to find problems and fix them and improve them and, and, you know, just continuously evolve the show. I mean, every once in a while we get a big kick out of listening to the show. In fact, I encourage you to do this. <laughs> Listen to the show from a couple of years ago, and it's amazing how quickly you forget what it once was and, like, how disorganized some things were, at least for us, you know. So maybe the product always came out better than we thought because we're tough critics, but... You know, it, it. We like improving it, and we want to improve it again this year as well. Yep. So. Yeah. So, so let us know the feedback. Uh, if it's not that good, I might get replaced with Christian Clean. And again, I'm out. not bringing nearly as much money as Yamamoto has offered oh, to the whole system. If we could get either. some of his money in here, that that could really up our production quality. <laughs> so, anyway, um, yeah. At some point, and uh, just keep keep your eye out on the uh, the Twitter feed and Facebook stream and all that stuff. Um, we'll put it in the normal podcast feed and maybe some other fun stuff coming through in the off season. Uh, until whenever, I'm Jim Lau and I'm Robin Warner. Have a fantastic off season. And a happy Christmas and Kwanzaa and, I don't know, Hanukkah. New uh, Year's. New too, Year's be yeah. a good one. Yeah. Yep. Thanksgiving for the folks in America. We're going to talk to people before New Year's, though. I mean, come on. Good point. All right. See you then. The F1 Show is hosted by Jim Lau and Robin Warner. Many thanks to our editor, Jim Lau. We couldn't do trivia without our fact finder, Robin Warner. A tip of our hat to producers Robin Warner and Jim Lau, as well as our executive producers Robin Warner and Jim Lau. Of course, a thousand thank yous to our excellent catering service, Restaurants. And finally, we'd like to offer a huge thank you to Bio Bonsai for use of their song Inspector B from the Big Band album for our outro and intro music. The F1 Show is brought to you by two Americans who love the sport of F1, Jim Lau and Robin Warner. <laughs>